belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for November 5th, 2023 is called Faithful Frustration. The teacher is John Ray and the location is the Central United Methodist Church Chapel in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Well, again, thanks y'all for being here. Um, if you're listening on the podcast or watching on the live stream, we're really glad. My name is, you're here. My name is John Ray. This is Grace Church. Um, the pastor and poet Rowan Williams writes in his exegesis of Franz Wright's poem, his poem titled Wake. He wrote this. He said, we have to choose to be well. And this means choosing to let go of our deceptive stories about our independence and the simultaneous lazy acceptance of being at the mercy of events, instincts, cravings, and so on. So there's a simultaneous letting go that is the result of a choice. And he talks about it. It's One is this deceptive story that we are an island unto ourselves, that we are just, it's just us. The only thing that matters is us while simultaneously letting go of just the passive acceptance that whatever happens, happens. Like we're just at the mercy of events and instincts and things like that. But this is easier said than done, right? What about our deep need for assurance that we are on the right path? That we are seen, known, and not alone? And while we're at, about it, I mean, while we're at it, how about some assurance that we're on the right side of things? that our efforts and sacrifices, our faith will pay off and we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, as the psalmist said. Well, our text this week may not seem very assuring on the surface, but if we're willing to dig in deep, we might find something valuable. And again, this the way the verses are led, are laid out in our Exodus study. We're kind of hopping to individual verses, but we're carrying with us the entire meaning and the entire momentum of all of the teachings. If you didn't get a chance to hear Shannon's last week, it's masterful. It's really incredible. She did a fantastic job. It's on the podcast there. I'll be referring to it a little bit. And, and we've been struggling or wrestling, I don't know what you call it, with this idea of God's autonomy in the midst of everything. Like we're called to do certain things, but at the same time, it's like, well, it, it, it almost seems futile at times. Like if God's going to do what God's going to do, why, why bother? But then if he's left it all up to us, if God's left it all up to us, then how? Like it seems overwhelming. It seems too much for that. So even though our verse may not directly address that, it continues to do so in the vein of that. Well, our verse this week, Exodus 34, verse 6. We'll read through 7. The Lord passed by him. Now remember, Moses has begged to see God's face. He's up on the mountain. He's begged to see God's face. God says, you can't see my face and live. But I'll put you in the cleft. I'll put my hand and I'll pass by. And so this, that's, this is what's happening there. <clears throat> the Lord passed before him. And proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in loyal love and faithfulness, keeping loyal love for thousands, 
forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins. And if, and if a lot of us would just like to stop right there. Can we just put a pin in it? Can we just stop right there? And then we're like, okay, it's great. Old Testament, New Testament, line up. Old Testament, God, Jesus, we see it. It's great. But it keeps going. But he by no means leaves the guilty unpunished. Responding to transgressions of fathers by dealing with children and children's children to the third and the fourth generation. It's quite a scene, right? What's going on? The proclamation, the experience that Moses has that is being related to us here. And I think we can identify with Moses in this idea that our desire for absolute assurance is often frustrated by our interactions with God. Moses is like, hey, just tell me what to do. Do this thing. And God is continually, in a way, frustrating Moses. He's giving Moses what Moses needs, but not necessarily what Moses wants. Maybe not even what Moses understands at the time. Cultivating a practice of faithful frustration doesn't come easier without sustained effort. It also takes, as Williams reminded us in the introduction, we have to let go of deceptive stories and our simultaneous lazy acceptances. And I've, I've been chewing on this phrase, faithful frustration, for a while now. And, I wanna, and I'm going to say this again later, but I want to make clear that this is not the only thing. We have a tendency within just our, our culture to think that the one thing is the only thing. That's why we meet every week, y'all. There's a lot. There's a lot. But this is one aspect that I think we need to see here and maybe need to practice here. We struggle with the idea of God's agency. We struggle with the idea that God can choose to do what God wants, even when we don't understand it, don't agree with it, can't comprehend it with that that it doesn't line up with our wants, our desires. Maybe not so much in the conceptual, the theoretical, but surely in the flesh and blood things, the daily intimate things. It's one thing to trust God with eternal salvation. Hey, that's great. And, and for me, like that's super easy. I, I, may be, I may be really unique here, but like, I don't, I don't worry about what's going to happen to me after I die. Like that's the least of my worries. Not that I'm particularly righteous or think there's going to be some big reward. It's just like, hey, I, I can, I, that's one thing I can absolutely trust God in because I've got zero control when that happens. But I struggle a lot with right now. I struggle a lot with this world, with what's going on here, the flesh and blood things. I mean, it's one thing to proclaim God is in control and quite another to try and understand genocide, terrorism, devastating diseases, and cataclysmic climate catastrophes. In a way, it seems like all of us are of the generations that are blessed and of the generations that are cursed. In some part of your life, just think about, think about the diversity of your life. Think about all the different aspects of your life. In some places in my life, I'm I am of that blessed generation. I have privilege and power, comfort and control beyond anything that most of my ancestors could have ever imagined. I didn't do a thing to deserve. 
and doeth being dirty. Like I am the generation of those blessed. And in other things, I feel like I'm in the curve. I feel like it just doesn't work. I feel like it's futility with certain things. Like it's just never going to change with that. And then I start to see those same things my kids struggle with. And I'm like, surely I am the generation of the curse. It's a, it's a paradoxical existence that we have with that, right? And just to sit back and accept it all as providence doesn't seem valid. The poet and playwright Natalie Barney, she said, fatalism is the lazy, way, the lazy man's way of accepting the inevitable. We, we can't, I can't be satisfied with fatalism with that. And all this is to say, y'all, I'm not okay right now. And I understand part of that is media consumption. It's, it's really something that I think I have, to, I have to examine in my life. But I was talking with Jane. We came back from the most recent house build down in Mexico. And we've built 32 houses, 31, okay, 31 houses. And um, it seems to get harder for me every time. It seems to get harder to, to fly in and do this really good thing, really, really impacting thing for this family. But then to turn around and just fly home. Like, they'll never get to do that. And I, and I talk with the people and I sit with the people and I see their lives and I see the joy that they have in receiving what we're giving. But at the same time, I realize that once we leave, that struggle is still there. Yeah, it's alleviated some. Yes, there's hope, maybe, that's going to play out in generations. But still, they still are in that position that we found them in. And it increasingly weighs on me with that. And then I see what we've all seen in the past few weeks with what's going on in the Middle East and the ongoing things in Ukraine and the different things like that. And I... I'm struggling to know how to respond to that in a healthy way. And that's where I, I, I stumbled upon this phrase that faithful frustration is that in a way I, I confess that I'm not okay, but at the same time I'm like, I think I'm okay not being okay. I'm not looking for an immediate solution. I'm not looking for you to, to assuage that and to go, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Or you know what, you just need to think happy thoughts. Or you know what, you just need to turn off the TV and just ignore all that and go for a bike ride, which is not a bad idea. But I'm, I'm trying to learn how to be okay not being okay with certain things. And I think there's a principle here. I think I see this reflected in Scripture. This isn't just, and you can, listen, tell me I'm wrong. I mean, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not, saying that I've got this all figured out. This, I am in process of figuring this out. But I'm not okay. I mean, my own frustration is rooted so much. I was like, so we've talked about taking these flags down, right? Like, 
especially as a kid who grew up very interested in politics, Christian nationalism right now, the expression that we have in this, is just maddening to me. It is utterly maddening to me what I see. Because I grew up in a church that those were up there, and it was a benign, at the time, seemed very benign with that. And now it has become weaponized in a way that is affecting very real people in very significant ways with that. Richard Rohr says, some people think that the whole meaning of Christianity is to be able to decide who's going to heaven and who isn't, who is holy and who is unholy. This is so much more a search for control than it is a search for truth, love, or God. I'm going to read that again. It is so much more a search for control than a search for the truth, love, or God. It has to do with ego, which needs to pigeonhole everything to give itself the sense that I know and I am in control. That's what we're seeing played out right now. It is not a search for the truth. It is a search for control with that. I'm not okay with that, y'all. I'm, I'm just not okay with that. I don't know how to exist in a society where that's accepted by seemingly half of the population. I don't know what to do with that. I'm also not okay with the terrors that I see, the terrorism and the wars that are going on abroad. I just, I know it's complex with this. And I know there's, right, like this Exodus story relates directly to what we're seeing there. This idea of a promised land and a, and a piece of land that was given by God and the, thus the inheritance that is that cannot be argued in any kind of political sense because it's divinely ordained for someone to live. I mean, how do you come up with a policy about that? I understand the complexity of it, but I also understand that the terrorism that we're seeing, the absolute violence and destruction isn't the answer. I don't know what is, but it ain't that. And I'm not okay with that. I'm not, I'm not okay with, again, with people choosing sides and just saying, well, this is just inevitable and this is just what you do. I'm not okay with the economic and political and environmental insanity here at home that we're living. And I participate in it. Y'all, I'm part of the problem with what I eat and what I wear and what I drive and how I live. Like, I'm, I'm part of the system that is doing these things that, I, that I'm not okay with. I found myself in response to all this um, and I'm so glad we said the prayer and sang the prayer because I don't want this one to be the sticks with the one that sticks with you. But as part of my frustration, I rewrote the Lord's Prayer this week. This is what I wrote. Our Father, who art hopefully somewhere close to this blood-soaked and bomb-shattered earth, do we have any idea what your name is? Your kingdom come because, sweet Jesus, we've made a mess of ours. Your will be done because this sure as hell ain't it. Give them today their daily bread because our barns can't hold anymore. 
Forgive us. All of us. All of it. I can't promise we'll forgive. I know we know, I know we must, but, well, you know. But you always go first. Show us the way once again. And lead us into frustration so that we can keep moving forward. For yours is the only light at the end of the endless tunnel, and yours is the only source that gives us a chance. When it all wraps up, you'll be the only one standing. Now, before everyone starts to slit your wrist, it's okay. There is good news in all this. In fact, I'm not sure we can really understand how good the good news is until we can honestly and truly face the enormity of our problem. So, <laughs> the, uh, that is good message. Um, a long time ago when I was, when I was teaching, I, I, I said that the good news often can't be really good news until it's bad news first. And I, and I still see that being played out, is that we really can't understand how truly good the good news is until we face the reality of the situation that we're in. Like the good news really is good news, even in the midst of that. And that's, here's the thing, is I think that adds to the frustration. It adds to the frustration because we see and we receive and we embrace the good news and we understand its potential. It's world-changing, life-altering, history-influencing potential. And yet, we seem so stuck in this rut of all the things we've talked about. With that. He says, keeping loyal love. The, the words of the Lord as he passed by Moses with his hand over him keeping loyal love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but by no means leave the guilty unpublished, unpunished. There is the seed of the gospel even in this. First of all, we see the, the, the exponential difference between the blessing, how it extends, versus the short, limited time of the punishment. We see that the, the faithful, loyal love of God is generously provided. But we also see hope that God isn't just absent. I don't know what to do with divine punishment. I'll just tell you, I don't, I, I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to, to comprehend it. I don't know how to, to deal with it. But I can tell you that God is just. That we can trust in the justice and the mercy of God together. And understanding the gospel is everything. The gospel isn't just a panacea for our troubles, a way of just easing the pain, but it is the answer to it. And this is the good news. This is what I want us to go away with. This is what I want us to meditate on in the midst of this. The good news isn't just a form of spiritual escapism from the hard, cold reality we face, but it is in fact the opposite it is the ultimate reality that frees us from the bondage and blindness of the false reality dressed up as the real world. That's what the gospel does. 
The proclamation of the kingdom isn't a totem of tribal supremacy that allows us to assert our superiority over and above others who believe and behave differently than us, but instead is the key to engagement without violence, oppression, or extraction. There is a way forward. There is hope in this. The message of Jesus isn't a way to justify our own privilege and position and allegiances and affections, but a way to hold them lightly and use them for the good of others, as well as receiving them as a blessing to us. Y'all, the gospel is what allows us to own our pain, our privilege, our questions, our failures, all of it. It's what allows us to do that. Otherwise, it's too much. Otherwise, it's just too much. Again, this is something radically different from demanding to know and to be right. Or just throwing our hands up and praying, inshallah. Or as Doris Day saying, kesara, sarah. For those of you who want to date me on how old I am. The Doris Day reference there. Y'all, but, but God knows this. And I think that's what, in, in a way, that frustration is invited. Like, it's, it, there's, there's a revelation that comes with frustration that I don't know that we can get any other way. Some of you have heard the story before, but Jane and I were, were early on in our marriage and um, we had seen some of our, our most dearly held plans not come through. And I mean, we were raising support, living in Arkansas, you know, out in the heat. And I just remember the money was low, plans were frustrated, and the van that we were driving, simultaneously, the windows, the electric windows broke up, and the AC quit. And it was the summer, middle of summer. And I was driving back from somewhere just sweating my ears off and uh, thinking about all the things that I had to do and had to buy and I couldn't and I didn't have money and all this. And it just became too much and I just slammed on the brake. I slammed the van into park and I opened the door and I got out and I just let God have it. Now remember, I was bartender for quite a few years, so I have a very extensive vocabulary when it comes to swearing. And I pulled out all the big guns, and I let God have it. I told God all the ways he had failed, all the ways he had forgotten me, all the things that he had done wrong, all the ways that he had left us, abandoned us, frustrated, all the things. Raised two middle fingers to the air in the middle of it on the side of the road, sweltering heat in Arkansas. And as that poured out of me and eventually... Just the adrenaline drained. Then I sat back and waited for the inevitable bolt of lightning that was sure to come, right? Because you don't get away with that, oh God, right? You can't do that and not expect divine retribution. You can't do that with expect, without expecting punishment. And believe me, I expected it. Now, I may not have expected an actual bolt of lightning, but I sure expected that there was going to be retribution. All, all I felt was grace. It was one of the most profound 
mystical experiences I've ever had. I didn't hear the audible voice of the Lord, but I felt like God said, I didn't tell God anything God didn't know. But I I needed to say it. I needed to get it out. I needed to, to, through my frustration, find a God that was different than the one that I built up in my mind. And that's, to me, that's what it is to practice this faithful, faithful frustration. Not necessarily cussing God out, although that might be part of it. But I think it's the constant pushing of God. God, show me yourself. Like, where are you? Why are things the way they are? Why aren't they different? How do they change? Where are they going to change? Like pushing into that faithfully and not giving up. The only way I know how to discover this is to practice this faithful frustration as part of our apprenticeship to Jesus. Not the whole of it by any means. And this is where I'm going to go back to what I said at the first part. Look, this shouldn't be the whole of your relationship with Jesus. Everybody hear me on that? Like, this is not it. And this is the thing. It needs to be recognized and accepted as a part. But there also needs to be time where we do find that rest. There also needs to be times where we are at peace and it is quiet. And we can let go of those things. We can lay down the questions. We can lay down the swords. We can lay down the stuff and we can rest and accept and be held closely by Jesus. And I honestly believe that those times will be better when they are coupled with what I'm talking about. Like that they go together. They complement each other. It allows us. It allows us. We need times where we are practicing this faithful frustration and times where we are deeply quiet, deeply at peace with that. Because we can't stay in one or the other. We can't sustain it. We're just human, y'all. We can't sustain one. One, one. It just it's it's it it turns into self-indulgent ignoring, and the other just is going to lead to an aneurysm. I mean, it's it's not good either one. But we need to practice them together. There are going to be times we need to lay it all down and find the place of quiet and peace, <clears throat> the place of satisfaction and contentment. This is just as an essential a practice as what I'm talking about today. Um, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up and say this. Oftentimes I think our problem is that we're satisfied too easily. Far too easily. C.S. Lewis wrote about this. It's not original to me. But I think about it in this term of what we're talking about here. I think we get frustrated easily, but we give up. Like we get, we get frustrated and then we just quit. We get tired, we get burnt out, and we think it's because we've done something wrong. Which often it is, y'all. Like we get stuff wrong. But it's not always the case. I think we grow content with what is 
superficial, saccharine, and soporific. How's that for an alliteration? If God is the God of redemption, then nothing is beyond God's redemption. Even our frustration can be holy. Even our exasperation, our desperation, our chronic disappointments and disastrous revelations and the deepest disappointments can be somehow miraculously transformed into the means and motivation to enter into an even deeper relationship, a deeper experience of the truth of the gospel and encounters with the person of Jesus. And that's the ultimate goal. I think that's the goal is to let those things be redeemed in us. To keep pushing, to not be satisfied. Don't need to be masochistic in this. We need breaks. We need to balance it. It needs to be in conversation, in cooperation with the other parts. But y'all, that's what I see here. It's like God is frustrating Moses in a way, with this response, with this experience. Yes, it is incredibly um, awe-inspiring, but it's also not what Moses asked for. But it's what God gave him. And y'all, it wasn't wrong for Moses to ask what he asked for. I want us to keep asking what we ask for. But I also want us to be willing to push through the answers that we get. So thanks for being here this afternoon. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. If you would like to give, you can go to gracechurchnwa.org forward slash give. You can find more about us online at gracechurchnwa.org. Grace and peace.